0: Hello, and welcome to the Spindrift Podcast with me, Aoife Glass. Each episode, I'll be chatting to a rider, racer, adventurer, or bike industry insider with an amazing story to tell. So you can expect bikes, travel, advice, tips, and more as my brilliant guests share their experiences. Joining me on today's episode is Katie Curd, mountain biker, coach, racer, full Cross World Champion and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to her about her varied career, her coaching, her experiences and uh, what she's been up to lately. So Katie, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me along. So Katie, just to kick us off, can you tell us a little bit about um, what you're up to with life at the moment, where you are, what you're doing, what's going on?
1: Yeah, so it seems a bit of a a wild time recently. It's... um, Well, yeah, same for everybody with uh, the pandemic going on. It just seems like a a whole new way of living life. But yeah, I kind of accidentally finished racing maybe two or three years ago. Um, I was just having a really stressful time. Um, I've always said ever since I started racing, the second I didn't enjoy it, I would just hang up the bikes and walk away. it, It kind of did get to that point. I was having so much stress going on in my life that my health was suffering um and I felt like I was just kind of going through the motions Mm. and doing it because that's all I knew what I was doing um so yeah just took a little step back and I was just planning to kind of literally step back from one or two races and uh turned out that as soon as I stepped back it kind of made sense in my eyes that actually Mm. I just I wasn't enjoying it anymore um and it wasn't until I actually stepped away from it, it it all kind of that realization hit um so yeah and then of course covid hit and it had like a a year off the races and then yeah it it just made me realize that actually i i don't have it in me anymore to to push myself to those kind of limits that you need to and you you know you've got to be in it to win it otherwise there's not well i say there's not much point in doing it but it's uh yeah to be racing those world cups you've you've just got to be wanting to win them to put everything on the line to to take those risks so yeah just uh Taking a step back and actually focused on my coaching business um so we run a mountain bike coaching business in the forest of dean which is yeah it's just kicked off and gone absolutely crazy especially with the cycling industry like absolutely booming over lockdown and mm. yeah so we've gone pretty nuts with that and yeah just enjoying riding a lot more and I'm still training and still wanting to do a little bit of racing here and there but yeah nothing ever as serious as what I was previously doing.
0: So we're going to talk a lot today about um, you know racing, of course, how you got into it, what it's like, because you know as you mentioned, it's it's stressful and it and you know there's, there, it's dangerous as well as exciting and enjoyable. So you know the highs and lows of that. Um, we'll talk a little bit about um, coaching as well, and if you're also happy to talk about it, one of the things that I'd quite like to discuss with you is um, head injuries and concussion, because I know that that's something that you've got personal experience with. And it's yep. very topical, and it's something that I th- think is is important. You know, that more people are aware of. But um, I guess let's to start with. Let, let's go back in time to uh, little <laughs> Katie Curd. Um, <laughs> when when did when did you get into bikes? First of all, did you ride a lot as a kid?
1: Yeah, I think when I was little, I kind of I was a very active. Uh, youngster wanted to just try every sport that was available so I mean we were I just had a really good group of friends kind of in the village that I grew up in and uh, yeah. we did everything from like scooters, skateboarding, skate, you know running, tennis e- everything you can imagine and every sport that I got into I was always wanting to you know like push myself and like be the best that I could so yeah um, but yeah it always came back to riding so it was like I'd get into something for maybe kind of six weeks, and then I think we got to the point where I was like dropping into half pipes on the skates and stuff, oh, and wow. then it was like no i 'm bored i want to want to get back on the bike and stuff, so yeah yeah, I just I guess like being active and yeah um the the bike kind of was the one place where it it felt like home oh, and yeah. it was uh something I could really progress with without actually trying that hard as such. it was just kind of i don't know I was sat in school and dreaming of being on my bike and stuff yeah. so um yeah. And I think when you're a kid, you just you just play on a bike. You just I don't know, like you see the the kids around here now, they kind of do big wheelies and big skids and stuff. And, you know, people kind of frown upon it like in the car parks and stuff. But actually, that's where you gain quite a lot of your skills, just messing about and playing about. So, yeah, I think that was where it all kind of kicked off for me, just having a really good group of friends. And just, yeah. you know, every second of every day we were out on the bikes where we could and, you know, just without even thinking about it progressing and like yeah yeah, who could pull the biggest skid who could pull the biggest wheelie and then building little jumps and getting bigger and bigger so wow things started to kind of barrel roll and progress from there
0: do you think that you sort of trying all those different sports helped your your riding Uh, like because i mean i i was i was a I was quite a cautious bookish kid and um, I, I didn't really do anything. I was too worried about falling over and grazing my knees. I've gone over that now mm, a bit. Um, but do you think that sort of like, I mean, because dropping into a half pipe, is, they're not small. That's not like. No, I don't think I would do it
1: now for sure. <laughs> I look at them, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, I don't think like looking back, I've never really thought about it, but I've never, I don't think I really had that much fear as a kid. Yeah. Um, you know it was almost like well, I fell off more times than I can count as a kid and had some big old crashes and you know like knocking myself out and but it never really it it just didn't occur to me that that was a a dangerous thing to do. It was just yeah. like, okay, well, I messed up there. What have I got to do to mm. to to make it right so yeah, I guess it, it didn't even cross my mind when I was a kid that it might like fall off and break something I definitely yeah. now that I'm older, those kind of things definitely are there like that fear is in the back of my head you know like what if what if yeah um but yeah I don't I don't think it even crossed my mind when I was younger so I think trying all these different sports yeah Yeah. definitely I've never thought about it but definitely did take a role in in progressing in the the riding as well
0: um and then what was it about the riding you say you kept coming back to that so so you know can you can you articulate like what it was that the riding had that skateboarding didn't have or that skating didn't have or that running didn't have
1: honestly no um (laughs) I think it was just I just really enjoyed it yeah um it was amazing fun you could do it absolutely anywhere it was like Mm. I mean all I had when I was younger was like um yeah it wasn't a mountain bike at all it was just like you know went to the local bike shop and paid like 110 quid for the 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 best bike that I could afford and it was you know it was a full suspension bike and it was yeah it's it's (laughs) the best thing um but yeah it was it was just fun and it was We wouldn't think twice about, you know, riding 10 miles down the road to our local kind of dirt jump spot. So it was just, it was, I think, part of the fact of being able to get on the bike and ride somewhere, because obviously couldn't drive at that point. Mm. Um, So it felt like we could actually go somewhere and and do something without relying on our parents to take us somewhere. Um, But also, yeah, just the thrill of riding. We had like a little local woods, literally like two minutes up the road from us. And it was just... Yeah, sometimes we'd literally just ride up to the woods and maybe just go and make a bonfire in the woods or something. So it was just like an escape, being outside and and yeah and yeah. Then ten minutes later, we we jump on the bikes and do a jump, do a skid, and then come back and sit at the, <laughs> the bonfire or something. So it was nice. yeah, it was just a nice chilled kind of good group of friends to grow up with.
0: And like, were you aware of of like sort of mountain biking culture when you were when you were little? Because my partner was into like got into bikes when he was like thirteen he has told me about the fact that he remembers like reading magazines and like saving up and getting videos and then like watching segments and then trying to build North shore, probably the world's sketchiest North shore in his local (laughs) woods and getting chased by the rangers and stuff like that. You know, so that was, that was kind of what inspired him to sort of get more into it. Did you have something similar or was it purely driven by like your own like interest and passion?
1: I think it was more like the, the passion more than anything. Um, I think the the one thing that did play a big role for me was uh Mountain Bike UK magazine. Yes. So it sounds really silly but I used to get it as a kid. Um and actually I lived near Bath where they where they actually published the magazine and they the people that used to kind of work in the magazine then came and shot in our local woods quite often. Oh wow. Um so of course when I was 14 15 16 young girl kind of riding I would bump into them quite a lot um and of course then I would read the magazines and see what they were shooting and stuff and um yeah they they did help us out and they played a massive role in in, in my career basically so um doddy the guy that yeah Andrew dodd who's gone into work in gmbn now I think yeah um he kind of helped us out quite a bit when I was younger and you know he he'd started off bringing like a a pair of sunglasses up to the woods every time he would come up there and if I was there he'd be like you know hand off these oh. sunglasses and say look here's here's this and that gave me a lot of motivation anyway
0: yeah
1: and then he would he would bring up a helmet because I was one of those idiots that never used to ride with a helmet and said <laughs> look here you go it's a full face <laughs> helmet so then I never yeah. took this full face helmet off my head and yeah the next time he came up he actually gave me a, a bike which was wow. insane so yeah it was a massive full suspension norco and I was like no way so I got to I thought I you know I'd have it just for the time that he was up there shooting and Mm -hmm. uh, he said you can you can keep it for the year and yeah see how you get on with it so yeah they played a huge huge role in me getting into stuff and they they kind of kicked off I guess my racing career as well because they said um why don't you come up to Scotland there's a race going on up there don't want you to participate but look at least come up and kind of see and they had like a competition going on up there Mm -hmm. um I had no idea what I was doing when I was racing <laughs> like I just I didn't even know races existed so it was just yeah. for me it was just like wow I didn't even know the difference between a mountain bike and god knows what else so I got my dad to drive me all the way up to Scotland into Inner Leithen and uh, of course didn't really know what racing was yeah. um but bumped into some of the people that I actually saw in the magazine so I like Tracy Mosey was a, was one of them and it was the mm-hmm. first time I met her and like Rob Warner yeah and I kind of bumped into a couple of those people and they actually Rob Warner saw me ride there and then and got on the phone to Giant and at the end of the day offered me a sponsorship deal with Giant. So yeah, it was uh yeah, it's kinda right place, right time and yeah. yeah, I would again I wouldn't have been up there if it wasn't because of Doddy and yeah,
0: yeah,
1: because of MBUK. So it's a yeah, I didn't have a dream that I wanted to be a a racer or anything like that. It all kind of just barrel rolled and right place, right time, I guess.
0: An amazing story. I didn't know that, Katie. That's so cool. And yeah, all those like you know sort of amongst all the, the legends of cycling as well in the UK as well and it sort of I guess it gives you know people talk a lot about mountain biking being it can be quite a friendly accessible sport like you know people in it can be quite supportive and that sort of seems to bear out by your experience there.
1: Yeah definitely it was um when I was younger well probably still am now I was I was super shy so I wouldn't mm. even you know I was scared to look people in the eye and yeah, I just remember kind of getting up to Scotland and uh, Steve Bear was up there taking photos and we bumped into Tracy Mosley, and he was just like, oh, yeah, let's get a picture of, you know, like new and old. And she was like, right, just chat away to Tracy. And I just looked at her. I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, don't even know what to say. Just, um, yeah, I didn't even kind of realise how much of a an inspiration mm. she was. Um, at that point, but just could because you've seen somebody in a magazine, you just yeah. think, Wow, yeah, you know, like they're they're a total star. And then yeah, it just so happened. She yeah, I mean she's been a massive inspiration for me my my entire career and helped us out loads as well. So um yeah, it is all of these kind of big names now that when I actually met a load of people, it didn't really have a clue who they were and just mm. started to when I was getting into the sport more it was like, Oh, okay, right, I realise now who i'm talking to and what's going on so but it is like you say everybody's so friendly so down to earth it's not often that you actually meet someone that's yeah rude to you out on the trails Mm. or yeah mountain biking is just such a a friendly sport
0: and so you you kind of from the sounds of it then kind of accidentally fell into race or was brought into racing without sort of it being a massive ambition for you so what was it like then when when you, you first started going to races like can you, can you remember the, you know, what you were thinking, what it felt like?
1: Yeah, I can remember every, well, pretty <laughs> much every race. And uh, because I didn't know much about racing,
0: yeah,
1: those first races were actually the best races for me. Uh, so, it, again, fairly funny story. Every single race or big race that I've done. Yeah. Well, so the first national race I did
0: mm-hmm.
1: happened to be national champs. Wow. again had no idea what national champs even meant so as I <laughs> entered it I w- again Rob Warner was just like yeah enter this race it'll be fine it's at this location just turn <laughs> up and ride down the hill and I was like right yeah okay so <laughs> I did it and I think it was it must have been mulfree, I think um and that's all I did I kind of turned up rode down the hill and then suddenly I was uh well I was the, I think I was the only junior in the category at that point but yeah I won junior national champs. So yeah. I was like, right, cool. I don't know what this means, but yeah, it's great. <laughs> um and then from that race, got selected for world champs. So because I was junior national champion, I did two more nationals after that. And then they I got this letter through to say you've been selected for world champs. If you want to go, here's all the details and blah blah blah. And that was up in Fort Williams. So yeah. again I was like, ah, this seems cool. Um <laughs> didn't understand like how big world champs was so mm. I turned up to like Fort William drove you know that was the first big drive I've ever done on my own I was 17 and yeah yeah turned up to Fort William and literally it's Helen Mortimer who was the uh the, the team coach at that time and yeah you know I was so shy again didn't really want to say hello to anybody or didn't really know yeah what a big deal national uh, world champs was so I just remember being at the, the top of the hill and uh, it was freezing cold hammering down the rain and I like, I just remember them kind of pushing me up to the start almost in a massive coat and just said, all you've got to do is ride down to the bottom. I was like, right, yeah, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> just kind of Simple like enough. set off from the Yeah, exactly. Literally set off from the start hut and rode all the way down to the bottom. Little did I know that there's like people waving these red flags at me. Oh. And I was like... Oh, what are these? Okay, so just carried on going. Yeah. Um, I was in the same category as like Miriam Nicole at that point. We were in the juniors together and yeah. uh, it was the person before me had actually crashed on a tiny little wooden bridge. Oh, so man. I like kind of stopped and scooted past her and then just carried on down the hill, got down to the bottom of the hill and uh, everyone's just going absolutely wild. And I was just like, right, I, I don't really know what's going on right now. It's yeah. like 20,000 people shouting my name and I, I'd come down in first and I was like, Right. Okay. Um, so I had one more person to come down behind me. Um, yeah. But then I had people going, well, how does that run count? You were, you were red flagged down it. But I didn't even know what a red flag meant. It was like wow. that was how new I was to yeah. racing. So people were waving these red flags. I just kind of didn't really know what was going on. So I just rode all the way down to the bottom and then my time counted. So they, they gave me the option to go up again and try my run again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the yeah, I think Helen Mortimer. It might have been Will Longdon at that point um yeah. just said I would stay there because uh the worst you've got is a silver medal right now so uh yeah I mean we, that's uh, not <laughs> terrible just that. but yeah now looking back at it I'm like wow that was uh that was an insane race you know like yeah. world champs on your home tour yeah um but I didn't have a clue what I was doing it was literally just like turn up ride and what,
0: yeah like what was it like was Fort William as big or bigger then because I've only started going to I think my first not racing obviously attending <laughs> as a spectator or for work purposes was was 2014 and like the first time i went like as i'd not really been to a big sporting event. I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing." I mean, I was lucky cuz it was sunny as well, but there are loads of people and then there's the pits, huge pits area like you can wander around. There's all these pro racers like just there, very serious faces getting like <laughs> ready to go, which is totally fair enough. Um, I was like, this is this is incredible. D- did you have like did you did you feel at all like intimidated or Like, you know, what did it feel like going for the first time? Or were you like, yeah, it's totally fine. It's all good.
1: (laughs) I think if I knew what I was going for, or if I, yeah, knew what the event was, I would have been, I don't think I would have turned up. I would have been that scared. Yeah. But because just like, like I said, I didn't even know who Steve Pete was. I didn't know who all of these, these big names were. That we're all in the same DB tent as us. Um, Mm. To me, it was just like, yeah, these great big lorries. It's a pretty big event. I I can tell that I was shy just saying hello to God knows who next to me. It wouldn't didn't matter who they were. So yeah, yeah. Actually, the the more I've got older and the more I'm kind of heading into World Cups and. Mm. you know having that experience actually the scarier it's got so looking back at that event I was the most chilled I think I've ever been even though I was scared just because I was shy yeah, yeah. I wasn't scared because of the event just because I didn't know what I was doing or how big it was so
0: yeah I guess you're yeah. just thinking about like the normal interactions and then getting down the hill rather than the gravitas and magnitude of of what was going yes. on which yeah would yeah. scare the poo out of me if I was in yeah. that position <laughs> and I think
1: when If you've got, like, a massive goal, like, if you wanted to win world champs or you've got that aim and ambition, I literally had nothing because I didn't, yeah, I didn't even want to be a a racer. It was never in my, it was never in my mind. So it was just the fact that, oh, I'm riding in a cool new place and, yeah, I've got this brand new, like, downhill bike from Giant. And
0: so, yeah, it was, uh, (laughs) it's all just a bit weird. (laughs) So... I mean, that's those are the early days, and then um, so so racing becomes your career, and and you learn more about it. You, get, you begin to know what those red flags mean, presumably. Yep. <laughs> and, um How did that? How how did racing change for you then as you got more into it? Did you did you have specific ambitions? Did you start training?
1: Yeah, I think as I yeah got a little bit more into it, it was a it was a little bit different for me because if I had stuck to the downhill racing, mm. I I feel like I may have progressed a little bit more than I have done, yeah. um, but then I kind of dabbled in the four-cross for a little bit as well, but even in both sports, there was definitely a point of like, right, yeah, I actually feel like I could achieve something in this. There was a point where I was just like, oh, no, I feel like I'm I'm okay on a bike. We could actually get a result now, yeah. um, and it was at that point I was kind of going out and seeking a little bit more help, and mm. I realised I couldn't do it off my own back and was kind of seeing the the support that some of the teams gave, yeah. but then realised that I needed to put in the effort to get that help in the first place. So yeah, I started training and started working with various um, different coaches and trainers. Yeah. And put the work in myself and then the results started getting better and better. And that's when the the nerves started creeping in when you, you just start putting a little bit more pressure on yourself, yeah, not from anybody else, but actually because you have put in the work and then you, you know that you can achieve something. So then you just kind of, you want to prove it to yourself. So yeah, I think that's where, Things started to get a little bit more more serious um and of course when people are putting support into you like sponsorship and stuff they they don't expect stuff I've never had the pressure from outdoor like sponsors and stuff like that but yeah you just feel like you need to kind of give back to those people yeah. as well
0: yeah no that yeah. sounds fair enough how, how do you manage then the nerves because there must be a fine line between sort of nerves and adrenaline that sort of age your performance without it tipping over into inhibiting your performance have you managed to find the balance
1: some races yes and some races no and there has been yeah a massive difference for me but i think the the biggest difference for me is having a focus if i am focused on the result everything goes tits up shall we say um i put too much pressure on myself it doesn't become fun It, it just feels way too much basically yeah a big kind of turning point for me was when I got selected for the Four Cross World Champs. Um and Will Longdon was kind of a the team manager then and he helped us out loads and he could see that I was literally like a bag of nerves. So I got into the final um yeah. and I was just sat at the top like just walking backwards and forwards, didn't know what to do. And he just said, sit down, all I want you to think about is get into that first corner first. So I literally did. I just sat on my ass and like <laughs> <laughs> and I was just watching every racer come past and he was yeah. just like, you need to get to that berm before anybody else. And I was just like, right, okay. So I had that focus. So when I yeah. left the gate, my aim was to get to that first corner first. And then before I knew it, I was just like, oh, my God, we're in the race. We're in the final. So then yeah. it was like, yeah, you're it kicking in from in. that point. But if I was just sat at the top thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what am I doing? It, it, those nerves start building. So, yeah, giving yourself a focus. yeah suddenly kind of strips the strips the nerves away on the good races that I had in the downhill that was my that was my focus basically I had certain points all the way down the track that I would just kind of use to piece my way down so as I get into that corner I'd think about the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing so it was like just adding little pieces of the puzzle all the way down rather than going but I need to get to the bottom as fast as I can I need to get you know the number one player I need to get there yeah yeah that's when stuff starts going wrong for me for sure
0: you've done a lot of races in a lot of different places do you have any particular either the races themselves or the locations that you're like oh my god I just loved that that was that was a brilliant experience obviously the winning ones I should imagine the ones you got good <laughs> results but like any any other sort of places where you're like oh I just really liked riding there
1: yeah there's there's been loads over the years and I think like you say it's obviously the the wins are great but actually there's been loads of races where I've not had the best result but Mm. still had the best time so yeah thinking of like the UK races well definitely Fort William I mean to be honest I I, I'm not the biggest fan of racing that track Mm -hmm. but when I yeah I mean when I got on the podium for the downhill stuff and like a lot of the four cross stuff it's just been the best thing in the world you know like just because of the atmosphere there and it's your your home crowd so everybody just goes wild for you Mm. it was just there's just nothing like it coming into like the uh, arena and it's just like literally 20,000 people kind of like shouting your name or you know everybody just going nuts it's it's pretty insane but yeah in terms of tracks we've got like Gothlin here mm-hmm. in Mid Wales North Wales um that kind of stuff where it's like really steep that's kind of my my go-to trail absolutely love that and champry in Switzerland was I think I only raced there well once definitely maybe twice that was still my most favorite race to to race I think just cuz it was like super steep i just loved it it's it's cool it's got some some good memories just because I'm just having fun on the bike rather than I kind of forget it's a race at that point which is I guess what you want it to be like
0: yeah just everything comes together and you're in the zone doing what you do rather than thinking about external factors
1: yeah massively yeah and obviously the better you get and like the more support you get the those factors have to come into place but Mm. actually from my point of view it was more a fact of I need to be enjoying this otherwise there's not much
0: point in doing it it's true of a lot of things in life yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) well if you've got the luxury of choice um yeah (laughs) so going back to William and I I know I go on about William a lot but I just really like it there from a spectator's (laughs) point of view and it's also because I've not been to that many other locations so you know forgive me that um (coughs) And, and sort of I guess racing more genu- generally how aware are you of what's going on around you when you're racing so you know you're you're at the start gate or the start hut you're ready to go are you aware of what's going on around you at that point and when you're going down the track at what or do you just sort of does your world close in around you and your focus become just what you're doing
1: I think that is like a one of the the biggest things especially for me and I think it is a big thing for quite a lot of races is to be able to get in that zone Mm. you hear people talk about it all the time but I think that is kind of you know like horses have like the the blinkers on their eyes yes that's kind of where you want to be to be completely focused on what you want to do yeah I have literally got the mind of I don't know a child I think as soon as like I see something like sparkly. I'm like, oh, I just get <laughs> distracted. So I know that feeling. A lot of my friends and family, if they ever came and watched me race, they know not to shout my name
0: uh-huh.
1: because if I hear somebody whilst I'm riding that I know the voice of, I'll be like, oh, who's that? I wonder. And then, of course, a few meters have passed on the track, and you're just not focused. So mm. if it is somebody shouting my name that I don't know. I can completely stay focused on on what I'm doing but if it was like my mum my dad my partner or anybody um even like my friends then literally I would ride past them and it would be complete silence and then I would go past and then they would start mm-hmm. cheering me on and stuff like that so I had a really good coach Adrian Stokes who I was working with for the last kind of part of my racing career mm-hmm. and he's he's really creative and we used to do loads of like training in the gym and yeah. he, actually, he he didn't tell me but he just came and put a load of he put headphones on me and I was balancing on a ball he's kind of chucking the like a, a heavy ball back and forth yeah. and he just said listen to the music and just try and stay focused and we'd just play a little bit of music and then in the background he had actually got my mum my dad my dogs to just record like go on Katie so that was really good kind of training with that noise to yeah. just try and block that out so then when you actually get to the races, it becomes a little bit more normal, which was, yeah, it was really cool. And it was because he didn't tell me it was happening. It was like, oh, what was that? <laughs> but yeah, he had gone, he had gone absolutely like, yeah, over the top with, well, not over the top, but yeah, done everything he could. Just completely random people like that we wouldn't even think about, like my chiropractor and stuff. They were getting them to like shout my name and just, he must've had like 20, 30 people just in this recording, which was, yeah, it was really cool. So that helped me a lot, for sure, to stay
0: stay focused that's such a good idea like because i hadn't i hadn't really thought about that fact like i I guess i was aware of like people would be shouting but of course shouting your name and we i think everybody has a kind of almost automatic physical response to hearing your name you're so used to responding to that that it must be so hard to like not you know like you almost don't even think about it it's automatic Oh man, but yeah, that, although I'd love to have been in on those recording sessions, like, excuse me, I know that you do your case chiropractor. Could I just ask you to yell, go on, Katie, down the phone? That would be really helpful.
1: <laughs> that was when my dad came on and he just went absolutely nuts. And I was, just,
0: <laughs> oh, dad, oh, no! I was like, oh God. Was like, <laughs> he must have, just... have you kept oh. the recordings? You should use them for motivational purposes. <laughs> It's That'd true. be brilliant. Just when you need to g yourself up, you could just play that and it's all your favourite people going, come on, Katie. <laughs> oh, I'll have to ask Adrian for it. <laughs> I think you should do that. I totally think you should do that. I think it'd be really good for like getting, getting ready for stuff. Like, yeah, I'm amazing. I can do this. <laughs> like for me personally, because I'm not a racer, I've tried minimally. It was a total disaster. <laughs> it seems to me hard to think about how you would enjoy riding in that context how I mean how do you enjoy riding in that context is it that sort of the feeling of speed is it when it comes together is it just the fact that you're riding different tracks
1: I think it's a little bit of everything and I think I think you've either got that competitive like nature in you or you haven't yeah Um, and ever since I've I'm little it's like I mean I used to enter running races and remember my grandma taking me along and just saying to my grandma I'm gonna win this race and she's like (laughs) well you know just enjoy it do the best you can you're racing against people 5 years older than you and I just turned around and was like no grandma I'm going to win this race and she keeps reminding me about that <laughs> um so yeah it's 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 kind of the, the same when I get to to riding as well it's um my best races were when I got to the bottom of the trail and really felt like I did everything I possibly could and then I would feel like I've had an amazing day or an amazing ride if I got to the bottom of the trail and felt like I had actually held back, mm. then even if I was first place, I'd be like pretty annoyed because I just feel like I didn't push myself as hard as I possibly could. And I think that's what makes me enjoy riding is like session in the corner, maybe 10 times. Mm. And on the 10th run, it's like, yes, that was it. It all came together and it felt good. If I feel like I'm kind of bimbling down the hill, it's just like, yes, it's good. It's it's all right. But it's not it's not that level of fun. Yeah. So it's basically just trying to push myself as 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 hard as I can and that's what the enjoyment comes from I think so so the satisfaction
0: yeah. is knowing that you've put it all together and you've you've you know done everything that you can do you've nailed it and you've got that perfect run and you know you've done your best
1: yeah definitely and it's I listened to a, a couple of podcasts actually and uh, with Laurie Greenland yep. lately and you hear him say quite a bit like you know there's not many people out there that will understand how much stuff needs to come together for that extra 10th of a second on yeah. the day, you know, like those boys are talking about tenths of a second between, you know, it could be one second between 10 places and stuff yeah. like that. So everything has to be absolutely bang on. And there can't be any doubt in your mind when you're on that trail. Um, so it's not just a case of how fast can I hit that turn and I've got to be on the right line. You've got to make sure that your bike's in the right condition mm. and you've got everything in place before those results come together. So yeah, I think the, the more steps up the ladder you take, the actual, yeah. the more things you need in place for everything to to get that result.
0: So, so I was talking to Michaela Parton on, on the podcast a few episodes back, and, and she was saying, like, the first time that she went to a World Cup, you know, as a privateer, and she had literally, she had no idea what she was doing, because she'd never been to, I mean, she knew how to ride a bike, obviously, but you know, she you yeah. know, no one tells you, oh, you've got to go sign in here, and you've got to do X, Y, and Z. And like she had nowhere to stow her bag, and she was operating out the back of a car, and it seems like a far cry away from, you know, if you Turn up as a spectator you assume that all the racers have like a full team of staff like yeah. in them drinks and like you know kind of doing all of that and that's not always the case what was it like for you and and did it change as you went through your career
1: so when i first got into racing like world champs was the one up in fort william because we were actually staying with the gb team we stayed with like uh yeah i was in the a caravan or whatever they're called like the the static caravans of like yeah. rachel atherton uh Helen Gaskell I think that was us actually but yeah I was absolutely like amazed that um their manager Dan had, had come in the room and actually like I don't know Rachel probably kill me for saying this but actually like woke Rachel up and said right your breakfast is on the table your kit's on the side mm. um you've got to be leaving it this time and there was me like 17 I was just like whoa that's amazing you know like you've actually got that kind of level of support and there was yeah. me just like getting me a wee bits out of the cereal packet or whatever it's incredible I when I was like racing four cross I had that that level of support Mm -hmm. you know had the had a mechanic there had team manager yeah had a like a coach everything there in place to then I could literally just fly out to the race
0: yeah
1: get on my bike everything would be sorted everything would be in place um you just didn't have to think about anything
0: yeah
1: it's always been a little bit harder for me in the downhill scene because I've never had that support so I've always felt like I've been that kind of privateer
0: yeah
1: yeah and I've definitely had help from sponsors but never had like the big pit set Mm. up or anything like that and so yeah, it, it definitely is. It's crazy hard as a privateer. You know, I feel so sorry for anybody that is a privateer trying to compete at that level because yeah yeah, it just makes it ridiculously hard. And I was competing against, you know, Manon, Tani, Rachel, you yeah. all had like the massive team setup and if they smashed a the wheel up, it didn't matter. They they'd have someone to come and a
0: yeah.
1: wheel in if they smashed the wheel up, it would be like, you know, panic stations because you know I've got two sets of wheels to last me for the whole year or something like that or you know it it takes time out of your practice to go and fix a puncture and stuff like that whereas yeah it's all those things that people kind of forget and you know like you don't have space in the pit, so you've got to park a mile away down the down the hillside and it, Put all your stuff in the boot of
0: the car, and it feels like yeah. sort of you imagine sort of a Formula One race where like half the team have you know have pits, and the other half the team are based in the car park down the road, and like yep. have to go back and t- change their own tyres. Yeah. It, it is because we are talking about that level of the sport as well. Like Massively. this is yep. the pinnacle of, of of mountain biking. You mentioned that um, at a certain point it stopped becoming fun for you, and you decided to take a step back which yep. ended up being a step away would you mind talking about what happened to get to that position and and what that felt like because that must have been quite emotional
1: yeah it's um well I guess quite a lot of people know I had um uh quite a few injuries I guess in my career I've had a, a big old smash up in my arm and I lost quite a lot of like nerve damage and yeah feeling in my arm and like the biggest one for me was having a massive head injury mm. um I ended up with fluid buildup on the back of my brain and I didn't realise at the time how serious it was. And yeah, it was I was just having I, I say headaches, but they were just beyond headaches. It was yeah. to the point where I just couldn't I just couldn't even say a word. It was wow. it was so painful. I just had to like lie down and just shut off. And if people would speak to me, I'd feel like I want to punch them in the face. It was so bad. Um but it it wasn't just headaches, it was like I would see like flashing lights in my eyes. I'd have, yeah, like I don't know what you call it, but if, if somebody whispered at me, it would sh- feel like they were shouting at me, and it was so loud yeah. and it was it was just a lot of pain and it felt like somebody was like pushing a lot of pressure into my head, mm. and I just felt like i couldn't couldn't do anything and the more I exercised, the worse it got yeah. um oh, yeah i can't I can't really kind of go into detail about how bad it was. it was to the point where I was kind of i felt like i could like forgot how to breathe and stuff like that yeah, and yeah. I was thinking about things in my head, but i couldn't actually translate that into words, getting it out. And yeah. And I, I remember speaking to people and they're like, you're making no sense at all. And I actually remember kind of speaking to Tracy Mosley and she was she was just giving me a little bit of advice and I just snapped at her. Yeah. And just got really aggressive. And I was like, whoa, where's that mm. come from? And it was just like it was at that moment I was like, yeah, things aren't right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I luckily enough, again, because of my coach Adrian Stokes, he I mean, he helped Everything he did, everything he could to to get me back on track, and it it took me two years to get fully over everything. But mm. my my whole kind of drive and motivation for all the rehab and stuff that we did at that point was to for me to get back racing. And I was just yeah. like, I just want to race World Cups again.
0: Yeah.
1: So I remember leaving the start hut for the first World Cup that I came back to, and just be like, Oh, this is it! I just smiled down the whole of the first straight. I was like, This is amazing! I've done yeah. it. Like that's. Yeah this is what I wanted to achieve. And then from that point on, it was like, right, no, I want to get back on the podium. That was, that's where I want to be. So yeah, yeah I managed to get back on the podium, trained like crazy through the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came into the the start of the season and just had a lot of, well, anyone who personally knows me will probably know what's going on in my life, but had a lot of stress going on in my own personal life. Mm. And it just, I, I came into the races training as 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 hard as I ever could then I was as fit as I ever could but my mind was totally totally elsewhere yeah um and I, I literally came down the hill felt like I'd gone as fast as I possibly could and barely qualified and I was like okay I didn't enjoy that it was a struggle yeah I'm, I'm not even here to yeah I wasn't focused on racing at all my mind was just completely yeah. all over the place And then I went into the next World Cup and again, the same happened. I was like, I literally barely qualified and I can't go through the year like this. Mm. And that was the point I kind of took a step back. Um, But yeah, I I had to go to the next race. So I went to the next race, but it was at that point, it was at Fort William, keeps coming back. I actually, I was riding down Fort William and I, something just clicked in my head and I pulled over to the side of the trail and just burst into tears. And I just, I just didn't want to be there. I was like, there is... It something just clicked, a little kind of switch went in my head. It was just like, I don't know why I'm here, I don't know why I'm doing it anymore. Mm. I feel like I'm rattling my way down this hillside, putting my life at risk. And then it suddenly thought, if I hit my head again, you know, do I really want to go for all the, the the stuff that I've just been through? Yeah, I managed to get my head in the right frame of mind to to get my head racing again. Um, set off the start hill, had amazing split time and then just had a big old crash into one of the corners. Uh, and it was just at that point I was like, nah, that is it, I'm done, I can't, I can't do any more racing. And uh, I think once that kind of switch has gone in your head, it's hard to yeah. get it back. And I would just thought, oh yeah, I'll take a couple of races out and get get my focus back on track. Um, mm. But yeah, as soon as I stepped away, it just kind of opened my eyes of like, racing isn't the most important thing to yeah. me at all anymore. It's, um, yeah, I wasn't enjoying it. And like I said, I was kind of just going through the motions because that's all I knew. Um, so yeah, I kind of took a step back and started doing other things like stuff that I've never done before. You know, like going to going to the beach on a on a hot day, or yeah. you know, going out and seeing your friends, or riding your bike for fun. You know, like it just. Yeah, I've just started to enjoy life a little bit more. It's, uh, I'm watching the races now, and uh, I keep remembering all the good stuff about racing. And, Do I want to go back? I'm like, yeah, but yeah, I definitely want to get back into the racing. But actually, I think I'd rather get back there now as a coach rather than uh, rather than a racer. I think so.
0: You've got yeah. so many other interests, so many other things going on, and if you can get back into the sport in a way that suits you now, then that sounds like it would satisfy that itch.
1: Definitely. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head just saying, like, you have to enjoy what you do. My coaching now, like, I go out mountain bike coaching five days a week and people say, oh, you're going to work. And it's like, I, I don't generally don't feel like it's work at all. It's just, I call it coaching. I'm like, I'm going coaching. I don't go to work um, yeah. because it doesn't feel like a job. I absolutely love it. And I think when you can get out of bed and say you 100% love what you do, then mm yeah you're in you're in the right job or you're doing the right thing and i generally do even in the winter when it's you know cold wet and miserable we're still it's still the same you're still helping someone to kind of achieve what you're doing and it's a massive passion of mine is riding so to see other people love doing that it's it's really cool so yeah i mean i haven't done many jobs but i don't i don't think i'd be able to stick out an office job i just think i'd be absolutely miserable so Mm -hmm. um people always say to me oh you're so lucky or you know like yeah you're lucky to live where you do and it's stuff it's it's not it's not luck at all we've made massive choices and sacrifices mm. and you know we've been in you know it, it's not a massive money maker being in the industry like this it's um yeah. it's the lifestyle and it's just fun it was a good lifestyle
0: um when did you when did the coaching come come into the equation when you decide that that's what you wanted to do
1: yeah i've been coaching for uh so probably 11 years now it feels like forever but yeah i kind of just did it as a a little part-time thing for a while I was working in yeah. a pub as a as, as a chef and uh yeah kind of somebody asked me if I would go along and coach a group of school kids at the, the BMX track and I was like we've no idea how to do it but yeah I'll give it a go And just came away from that session absolutely loving it there was a whole group of like 30 kids that just came away buzzing from the session and I was one of those yeah. people just buzzing <laughs> as well so um yeah I looked into it a little bit more and did like a coaching qualification um but like I say it didn't help that I was shy as anything at the time so it was trying to instruct people when you're actually quite shy was quite a hard Mm. thing to do but yeah every session that I did I found that I loved it even if the person didn't but no
0: (laughs) it was um, I'm sure they did yeah (laughs) do you think that your um your passion for for getting kind of the right line and practicing corners and 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 analyzing your own riding has been Important for your coaching then later on, like it's meant that you're able to sort of break down what people are doing
1: yeah, I think um the, the funny thing is there's no like every like qualification out there for mountain bike coaching doesn't mm. really go into detail about how you need to coach it's they yeah. kind of just go through the motions of your basic skills, but there is no like mountain bike coaching out there, so everything we've done we've had to kind of learn ourselves um yeah. we're coaching some some people that are racing themselves and it's like well how do you make them faster it's not you you can't just tell them to hit a corner faster or you know like go through the the skills you need to go through that corner faster it's everything that's surrounded by that as well so you've got to understand everything that is involved within that race to to help out someone that's trying to achieve winning races as well
0: I think the other thing that's that's important in, in in coaching having had coaching in lots of different fields like different sports and stuff yeah not i'm still not particularly good at any of them but you know have coaching um is is and i think a good coach is really good at not just seeing what you need to do and how to do it but getting you to understand that and you are very good at that like you're really good at but you you, you are like i've had like I've, I've disclaimer i've had coaching from katie several times <laughs> um and But you, you were always really good at kind of explaining it to me in different ways that worked for me and, yeah. you know, sort of adapting to the individual as well. So I think there's that that whole understanding of what it's like from the coaches' perspective as well as, you know, how, how do you get them to understand? Is that something that you feel has come quite natural or is that come with the more coaching that you've done
1: it it's a bit of both like when I was younger when I didn't even know that I wanted to do coaching I was well especially for the racing as well I read quite a lot of books about you know like the psychology behind like your mental focus and yeah um some of that was kind of going into like coaches of different sports. And um, one of the biggest things that stuck in my head was everybody learns in a different way. So there was no point in me just saying the same thing over and over again to one person. If they don't understand it the first time, they're not going to understand it the second time. So yeah. it's listening to what that individual is saying back to you to understand yeah. how they learn to then reword what I'm saying to them. So yeah, like I think that is what makes a good coach. It's uh, yeah. working with the individual in front of you. So there's thousands of videos out there that can tell you how to hit a corner, how to do a wheelie or anything like that. But if the individual doesn't understand that or is even like, you know, there is there is a couple of like key skills are needed. But actually, there could be a slight little tweak that that rider needs themselves to actually Im- implement all of these skills in the first place. So it's definitely not come natural to me it's something that i've worked quite hard at
0: we've obviously had a, a huge influx of people into mountain biking due to lockdown which is fantastic yes. and so you're coaching like complete beginners and you're coaching um athletes as well who are you know the difference between someone who wants to learn how to get around a berm corner which i had massive issues with <laughs> most of the first few years especially turning right i could turn left yeah. I couldn't turn right. No, I was I wasn't an ambi ambiturner. Um, are there any kind of uniform hints and tips you can give people, or things that people riders need to be aware of, whatever they're doing? Like, what are the biggest factors that affect how how well someone can ride a trail?
1: The biggest thing that we always say, and it's pretty much the thing that we start with all the time, and um, people probably get bored of me saying it, but is the position you are on the bike makes the the biggest difference. So. Yeah, the second you come out of the centre of your bike, you'll become off balance, and mm. then it will feel very hard work to get down any trail. It doesn't really matter whether you're riding the Blue Trail or, you know, you're riding down a World Cup trail. You've got to make the bike do the work for you rather than, you know, like, feel like you're hanging on and just getting down the trail. Um, and that is that position. You've got to be, like, central on your bike. You've got to be putting the right in, the, the weight in the right place and once you do I mean you look at all the the thousands of pounds that has gone in to all of like the geometry of all the frames and the bike and the testing Mm. if you're literally hanging off the back of your bike the bike is not going to work and obviously everybody has a different riding style but yeah, you've just got to make sure that you are in the right position to start with to get everything else working to be able to jump, drop, ride a turn. Yeah, you've just got to feel comfortable on the bike. Yeah, for sure. And that's so kind of it. the biggest thing that we coach. No matter like we start people on you know nice sim- simple trails and then start them going down more technical stuff, and you'll just see that position change the second you get scared. Um, yes, the position change massively. So it's just trying to really honing in on on that whilst you get into those more and more technical trails.
0: So just to finish up, because we've been chatting for ages and we could yeah. chat forever, totally <laughs> forever, um, but, you know, the sun is shining and there's bikes to be ridden. Um, what are your your plans and goals going forward? What do you want to be doing? That
1: is a good question. something I've actually been, uh, yeah, rattling my brains about. Yeah, I guess the immediate future is just carry on what I'm doing. I'm just really enjoying kind of living my life right now so loving riding absolutely loving coaching and yeah just enjoying my life future plans are to try and get a little bit more involved in coaching but bringing up a lot more kind of youngsters through the ranks and into racing mm-hmm. so yeah because racing's been such a massive part of yeah, my life yeah I want to be at the races but I want to be helping out grassroots level riders all the way to to world cup riders and hopefully stepping onto the the world cup scene again but hopefully to, to help the riders in a different way rather than being in the tape or be outside of the tape. So I've just been, you know, like coaching a little bit with Evie Richards, the uh
0: Oh the, yes the race
1: racing World Cup like cross country and absolutely doing amazing. And I mean when she came to me for coaching, yeah, I was like, Oh my god, here we go. Like what do I coach Evie? She's already winning World Cups. But yeah, it's been amazing fun and actually watching the like the progress in her over the winter and then yeah, watching her at the races is like, yes, no, this is amazing. So, yeah, it is uh, it is cool to be on the other side of the
0: table. Katie, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much. It's been an amazing chat. Um, hopefully we can have a- another catch-up again in the future. Um, but I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, there's so much more we could have talked about, so we'll definitely have to have another chat at some point. Um, but for now, thank you very much, and uh, enjoy riding in the sunshine. Well, do. Thank you very much for having me on board. Thank you for listening to the Spindrift podcast and don't forget to subscribe because I have some incredible guests coming up. You can also join in the community on Instagram at Spindrift underscore podcast.